The Oklahoma City Thunder will pick at 6, 16, 18. We bring on our draft expert, Richard Stamen, to talk all about how realistic the trade-up market is and what the Royals can get value-wise for their assets and so much more on today's show of the Locked On Thunder podcast, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. I'm joined a day after the lottery. You're going to hear this two days after the lottery by our draft expert, Locked On NBA host, Richard Stamen. Richard, you're the host of Locked On NBA Draft. You're the perfect guy to call after uh, the Thunder fall two spots in the lottery, and they now pick at 6 16 18, as well as three second round picks. Uh, just what's your first impression whenever you see that, that hall for Oklahoma city? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I, I can join you in having the sads right now as an Orlando fan. Uh, but putting that aside, you know, Oklahoma city has one of the better trade packages in this draft. There's been rumors. I, I don't think Detroit moves the pick. I know we've talked about this for months about like, could Oklahoma city godfather them? They are the team that would do it. Um, I think Detroit would be foolish to go uh, quantity over quality in this situation, but you never know. So there is some silver lining here, but I think ultimately you look at teams like Cleveland. Last night, Woj said it, uh, or I guess by the time you're listening, sorry, two nights ago, Woj said how Cleveland is open to moving wherever they get. So maybe six, 16, and some of those future firsts, could actually sway them. And then you get a chance at Jalen Green or if, you know, Evan Mobley falls to three and the Rockets decide they want Jalen Green, um, or should I say Kevin Durant? I'm going to, I'm going to lean into this one. It's, it's a good chance to move up. It's not, you're not locked into six just yet. And even then, if you are, there's some good options. Uh, if you look at some historic past drafts, the best player doesn't always end up in the top from the top five. So there's a good chance the sixth or 10th player could be it. So for the Thunder, that's kind of your silver lining, right? Number one, Sam Presti has said as much, so this is not breaking news, but also it's been confirmed behind the scenes. He's going to be very aggressive. He's going to be very, very aggressive. In his world, his hope would be not to be at six. It'd be to trade up. I think that that's pretty clear to see that he's trying to trade up in this draft. So he's going to be aggressive. If, there, if there's a trade to be made here, he's going to pull the trigger. He's going to go get his guy. So, so you can rest easy knowing if they do pick at six, it was not from a lack of trying. It was not from a lack of a, a Danny Yang situation. He truly wanted to move up, and then no one wanted his, his package. So he's going to try. Number two, you're right. Most of the time, the talent does not go one, two, three, four, five. Someone in that top five is going to bust out. Somebody's going to be overlooked. Somebody's going to slide down. And we're giving Sam Presti, one of the best talent evaluators in the sport, the pick of the rest. Let's just assume that the top five goes the way we think it has, is going to go for like the last year. It's going to be Cade, Mobley, Green, Suggs, Kaminga, in some order, that, that top five. Well, then the rest of the draft belongs to Sam Presti at six, and he can start the draft then and pick whoever that he believes in. So 
for you right now, as an unbiased party that has no real motive here of if the Thunder trade up or not, and, and no real emotions attached to that fact, what do you think is going to happen right now? Will the Thunder trade up from six uh, and be in that top five? I think they're going to pull the trigger. I mean, you said it, they're trying to be aggressive. I think, I think you see the Thunder move up for that Cleveland pick. I think it's going to be a bidding war between Oklahoma City and Orlando, and Oklahoma City will come out on top. So what kind of package would you want if you're Cleveland? And what kind of assets would the Thunder have to give up? Would it, would it be enough to give up 6, 16, and Baisley as a sweetener and then move up to three? Would it take more than that? I think that the Thunder would be comfortable taking on Kevin Love's contract, but is that all Kevin Love's worth is a salary dump that you get Kevin Love three and then six, 16, and, and Baisley back to Cleveland? I mean, I do think that Baisley would have to go in to the, whatever trade you look at some of the young guys, maybe you part with some, someone else. If you're trying to get that third pick, I mean, the Thunder have just an absolute surplus of young players where you maybe start saying, Hey, there's only a few guys that we have off limits, Poku, you know, SGA, and maybe one more. I feel like I'm blanking on someone, probably Dort. Yeah, probably uh, Dort. Dort. Yeah, that's what I said yeah. last night in the, in the recap show. Just you're probably only holding on to SGA, Dort, and Poku. The rest are up for debate of if you need them as a sweetener, you can use them as a sweetener. Yeah, that's pretty much how I would feel. I'd say anybody's available. You could even say Maladon. So, I mean, you could say 6-16 to future, or I mean, a future pick, maybe like a protect, lottery protected like 2025 or something. And then Baisley, it's a lot to give up, but it is a big draft for a lot. And I think both teams would kind of walk away with that. And the Thunder have the luxury where they can overpay and not feel a single ounce of pain from it. So I would say something like that would be the ballpark to three picks two this year, one future, and then Baisley. And you said it right there. If the, if Sam Presti has identified Jalen green as the guy he can overpay and not have any consequences. Like he can overpay and the future of this organization would not be resting on Jalen green being a, a great player because let's, let's face it. I love Baisley. I've called him a building block this entire time. Uh, but if you go up Baisley and you get up the, the sixth pick, that will be Scotty Barnes probably and the 16th pick and a future pick you know, that we don't know yet, you know, the future pick down the road and Jalen green does not work out. That does not hurt your franchise in the long term because of all the assets the Thunder have accumulated for the future. And, and I'd rather have the swing at Jalen green being that scoring champ. I think he can be and being that top tier guy I think he can be versus have a, a nice contributor in Basley, have an above average contributor in, in Barnes and have whoever comes at pick six, 16, Kai Jones or whomever you get that you're just kind of filling positions of need at that point. I, I'd rather have the swing at Jalen Green. So the fact that the Thunder can overpay without it being an overpay is a good thing for the Thunder. It's why you do this. It's why you get all these assets. It's not going to be a Boston situation where you get these assets and then you hold on to them and hoard them. No, this is why you get them. And Taking back Kevin Love's contract, if you have to, is why you have salary cap. You don't have this salary cap in Oklahoma City to get a free agent. You don't have it for a big-time free agent. You do not even have it for a RFA because I'd rather have Jalen Green than whoever you would want to overpay as a restricted free agent. So, like, you only have this cap space to take on bad contracts. That's why you take on Kevin Love so you can have the reward of Jalen Green. It's basically just using that salary cap as a tool to get Jalen Green and using that cap on Jalen Green because you can take back Kevin Love if the Cavs really want to get off of him that bad. So, like, you have the flexibility there financially to take back Kevin Love if they have to. You also have the assets of, like, Baisley, 6, 16, and, and future picks. I, and I would go up to, like, two 
future picks if you had to, because I believe in Jalen Green that much. And I believe that the, that the talent gap between three and six is that wide and how important it is this year to find your guy uh, next to Shea and start building that relationship together versus delaying that process another year. Yeah, I mean, this is the draft where you would overpay. It's not, you wouldn't do that package last year for the number two pick or number three pick. But again, if you have a chance, like the entire top four, I would say the top, you could say five with Kaminga, it's just the top four are just so much more likely. All have that star power. And if you can get in there, again, like you said, it's just, you can overpay and do it if you have to. Like, again, it's really not... The risk for them to overpay is not the same as Orlando's risk to pay, overpay or Indiana or something like that. So, like, whenever you look at this draft, as someone who has studied this the whole year, the value of pick three is worth that, in your opinion, more so than in recent years, of course. But like, you would make the leap. It's only, it's quote-unquote only, you know, a couple, you know, three spots, but you would still make that jump to pick three if you're Oklahoma city because of the talent gap between who you're going to draft there, Jalen green or whoever uh, versus Scotty Barnes at six, if Scotty Barnes lasts the six, even because we heard reports that he might be climbing up boards. Yeah. I mean, the gap is, is big, but, but it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning. There's always a hidden gem and someone who's overlooked. So, I mean, if you can get Jalen green though, the calculated risk is just so much better for him than whoever it is you're high on in the, in the six to 10 range. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, and this week we're picking the Ultra Moment of the Week. Not very tough to identify the Moment of the Week this week uh, because it's a moment that did not necessarily generate joy, happiness, and enjoyment, uh, but it is a moment that did define the franchise, and that is the lottery where the Thunder get pick 6, 16, 18 in this upcoming first round for the NBA draft. Um, you know, the, the, the Thunder are going to try to create joy, happiness, and enjoyment with this selection by taking a guy who is very much worth it and who you'll very much enjoy, just like you're going to enjoy a Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success, and the Thunder are going to look for a player that can create success by bringing us joy. Enjoyment's not the end game, it's the whole game, and we're going to really much enjoy Scotty Barnes, probably. It looks like that that's going to be the target range for this draft. We're going to hear from Scotty Barnes in the media at 1 today. So if you're listening on Thursday, go check that that transcript out on my Twitter account at Ryland underscore Styles. But this absolutely is the moment of the week. It's a moment that will define a lot of things come draft night. And it could have gone a lot better. It could have gone worse. You know, surprise, let's not lose sight of that. Like, let's not lose sight that it could have gone worse. But um, it is 6, 18, 16 in this draft. We'll see how the Thunder regroup from here. But you should go regroup and buy a case of Michelob Ultra only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. I love drinking Michelob Ultra. I love drinking it while watching the NBA playoffs. And so for the Thunder, they're going to try to trade up. Hopefully they can do it. Cleveland's the most likely, in my opinion. I don't think that you try. So like whenever I break this down, right, you mentioned that you don't buy into the reports of Detroit. I don't buy into them going from one to six, I think that's going to be impossible. I do, however, buy into maybe Troy Weaver loves Jalen Green the way that he loved Russ. Whenever many people did not love, was not overwhelmed with Russ, right? Troy Weaver was overwhelmed with Russ and wanted him badly and pushed for the Thunder to draft him. Without Troy Weaver, Russ is probably not a member of the Thunder in that draft. So like Troy Weaver deserves a, deserves a lot of credit for seeing that through everything else in that draft class. 
So because it's Trey Weaver, I do think there's a chance that he does value Jalen Green more than Cade, but the Thunder cannot deliver Jalen Green at pick six. So like the Detroit to me is out. I don't think that, that Houston would uh, trade out of the top five. I think that they're out. Even if you gave them back their stuff, I don't think they're going to value moving out of this top five in this specific draft class. They're, they're done. I think that Cleveland's where it starts at three. Toronto maybe wants to go from four to six. And then I think Orlando's out because why would you, why would you give up a, a lot of assets for the fifth pick when, when it's likely going to be Kaminga? And, and if it's going to be Kaminga, as, as high as I am on him, and I'm higher on him than I am Scotty Barnes, but uh, the, the, the drop-off to me between Kaminga and Barnes is not that of warranting trading away an asset in Basley or a future first or whatever the case is. You'd rather just take that swing at Barnes instead of having the swing at Kaminga at that point, even though I really do love Jonathan Kaminga. So to me, there's two options here for the Thunder. It's Cleveland and Toronto. Is that how you see this board shaking out too? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Toronto is going to make the move though. I think Cleveland's honestly the lone target. Like you said, Houston has no reason. The teams that, the teams are kind of on a blank slate. Like Toronto is close. They have Siakam and Anunoby where they're building around them and Boucher almost to an extent, but he's older. Um, I mean, maybe Toronto, maybe, but I mean, they really don't have an incentive to because they're in the opposite approach um, where they have, you know, one star away, they're one pick away on a hit from being back in the playoffs. So I, I don't think Toronto does it. I think Cleveland's the one team because they're in just such a weird situation. And if they're not in love with Jalen Green, which there's a lot of people that aren't, and it's entirely possible they are one of the teams, they might do it. I think it's only Cleveland. So the reason I bring up Toronto, because you're right, they, they uh, realistically would want to stay at four because of how close they are. I say that it'll be the Trey Young effect. If they do trade out, it'd be the Trey Young effect of, hey, we value Scotty Barnes more at four than Jalen Suggs or whoever you're going to draft at four. So let's let us get our guy also a future asset. You get your guy and everyone's happy because, you know, again, the Hawks knew that at their slot, there was no need to take Trey Young there. They could afford to trade down. They knew that Dallas was zeroed in on Luka Doncic. And in the meantime, the Hawks get their guy by moving down and get an additional asset. So I think that Toronto would only trade down if they did zero in on Scotty Barnes and knew that at four, that might be considered a tiny bit of a reach whenever you can still get additional squeeze, additional value out of that slot by trading down just a, a pick to, to Oklahoma city at six from four uh, and, and get your guy anyway. And then also get a future first or Baisley or whatever, the, whatever the case is. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on how teams, I think it really depends on how teams view the young core of Oklahoma city. Like if they're high on Baisley and Maladon and whoever is on the table, like it's, it's going to change everything. How do you view Darius Baisley specifically? Because I think that Baisley is kind of the most likely option uh, to, to get dealt uh, from, from everything that we've seen. What's your view on Baisley? What's your hope for Baisley? He's 21 years old, just finished his second year in the league, had a bit of a down year this year, but dealt with injuries, uh, dealt with a new role, trying to adapt to that. Uh, you know, he, he goes up to 13 points per game, uh, seven rebounds per game. He's an elite rebounder. I think he can be a really good playmaker in this league too once he gets the ball in his hands more. Uh, and then can he be that shooter who was in the bubble or will he be the shooter that he was um, this year? We'll have to wait and see on that as well. Uh, so where are you off Baisley and what would you consider his value? Would he be a, uh, obviously not a blue chip value. Would he be an A plus value, B plus value, C plus value? Like what, what would his value for you be on your scale? Yeah, I'd say B. I mean, if you're, you know, teams always look for that diamond in the rougher, like 
I, I think about when Orlando and Milwaukee and I think it was 2013 traded JJ Redick for Tobias Harris. And it was that, Hey, we got a young guy with high upside, like teams look for that in trades. And Baisley is that he's probably a B grade prospect. I think he's a solid defender. The shooting, just the swing skill. It depends on if teams think they can develop that. Um, and I think that might just come with time because he came into the league as a pretty raw shooter. And I don't know. I think things like that, he's got a, He's got the upside, and he's probably worth a flyer on. He's a high-grade flyer is how I would describe him. I'm interested to see how the league values Baisley. I think that you can go a lot of different ways on his evaluation process. Uh, would would Tail Maldon be, be valued by the, the league? Because, again, that's, we're kind of dwindling down the, these assets that are available for the Thunder in terms of, a, in terms of like actual players that are tangible for the second. But he led the league uh, – he led the team in, in minutes played this year as a rookie. Uh, he looked premature – for his age, had some issues finishing and, and uh, hit kind of a rookie wall there at the very end. How do you value Tail Malvon in terms of uh, would would he be a good enough sweetener to, to sway a trade somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think he, again, has, has like you said, he has his issues. He was the worst finisher in the league, I think, this year. But on the other hand, like, you think about how he's going to be a good shooter. He's going to probably be a good defender and be a decent playmaker. And the finishing will eventually grow as he gets, um, as he gets more muscle. So I, I think he would be a great sweetener in a trade, but I don't think Oklahoma city needs to be rushing him out the door unless they're getting a point guard back, because then you're in a weird situation where you have SGA Maladon and another point guard. And I just don't know how you can develop all three of them properly at the same time. So continuing on our, our trade talk, then we're going to get into like what happens if they don't trade. Um, so the Thunder assets would be Finish Williams, if you want to consider him an asset. I mean, he's a kind of a, a, a gutty win now player that could help a team if they really want to push. Uh, I, I don't think I, I don't know how you'd value Kendrick Williams, but Tail Malavon as well. Baisley, who we talked about. Uh, Kimba Walker, if you if you want to have that reclamation project, I'm not really sure that he'd be considered a, a value play either, though. Uh, Kimba Walker. You know, Ty Jerome maybe can be a sweetener. Like he's not going to be a difference maker, but he can be a sweetener. Like it's, it's the difference of putting four splinter packs in your coffee versus three is the way that I put it yesterday. That's your tangible player assets. And then you also have pick six, 16, 18 and future first round picks as well. You talked that you teased at the top of the show. Is there any team that realistically could trade up to the top three with looking at Cleveland that would have a better asset package than uh, the combination Oklahoma City can throw out between Kenny, between Tail, between Baisley, uh, Ty Jerome, 6, 16, 18, future first. Obviously not going to give up all those talented players or, or all those talented assets, but uh, is there a better combination than what the Thunder can, can give you? What's Orlando's combination? Where would you rank the Thunder at in terms of their possible trade package? Yeah, Orlando can't beat it. The only team that could compete, and this is like any other draft trade, is New Orleans. You know, they can move Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, I'm sure there's some other guys that I'm blanking on off the top of my head, but they also have a slew of picks where they can throw the world at Cleveland too, but 10 is a lot less attractive than six. So, uh, or really 10 is less attractive than six and 16. So I, I don't think Oklahoma city can be beat. like, we've said this for months. I mean, they have the Godfather package and then getting last week, getting, you know, Kemba Walker and the 16th pick was quite a, quite a haul. I want to say right now, but I got friends over at, rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you online for 20 years that's right 20 years ago you could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts 
that your car would ever need. My favorite thing about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. I don't have to know anything about cars. All I have to know is my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting time, money, resources, unfortunately, I cannot use, parts I do not need. Without their help at that website, I would be lost. They help you save a ton of money. You can even save 30, 50, even 100% at rockauto.com. Check them out today. Whenever you go there, tell them Lockdown sent you. And the how did you hear about us box? And they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com, tell them Locked On sent you. In the how did you hear about us box? Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball's in full swing right now, so track that action at BetOnline.ag. Get the latest news. Odds and info on all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Check it out today. No longer should you be sitting on the sidelines. You should get in on this betonline.ag. Go to their website, use our code locked on, get a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, but online, your online sportbook experts. And so the last trade question would be knowing the value of, of uh, or the caliber of player you're going to get at six. Is the Godfather offer ready for this year? Like, like you mentioned, rushing it and not wanting to dive in. That's something that Sam Presti has also preached. While he's preached being aggressive and wanting to move up in this draft, it's also about finding the right player and not rushing the process and being comfortable, being patient. And that's a great quality to have for this ownership group, for this front office, for this fan base, being patient of, okay, you know what? If we had to delay getting back to relevancy and contention another year, two, three, four, then that's what we're going to do because at the end, uh, the reward will be a lot sweeter than if we rush the process and have a lower ceiling than what we could have had. So knowing the value at six and the type of players that the Thunder could get at six, Keon Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson, yada, 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 and knowing who might be available at three, I'm going to ask you maybe a difficult question, uh, but maybe it's not. What players would you consider godfather material, right? So depending on how one and two shake out, would it be just Evan Mobley? Would you consider Jalen Green worth a godfather offer? Would you consider Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga? Like who all would you say, you know what, he's worth trading up for? So if you do trade up for a prospect and it comes out that the thinner draft of this guy, consider it worth it, even though you give up with a lot of assets. I mean, for me, it would be Evan Mobley and on the fence, Jalen Green. Like, even though I'm not that high on Jalen Green's floor, I do think his ceiling is ridiculously high. I've always been high on that ceiling. But um, I think those are the only two guys you you included on. Um, you don't really use Suggs. I don't think he's there. He's a high floor guy. I think it's just Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. So so if the Thunder do trade up to three and then any other name is announced, you would say, ah, they kind of they kind of reached for that because of what they gave up. Yeah, I would probably first hunch it would probably, yeah, that's probably how I would go. Barring some changes, but I don't really see anything major changing on that. So shifting into what like the pick could actually be at six, if they do stay at six, you would value that at that point, Scotty Barnes, the kind of same way you'd value Suggs and Kaminga? Not Kaminga. I mean, I have Kaminga fourth on my board. 
Um, but Scotty Barnes and uh, and who was the third one you said? Suggs. Was it Suggs? Oh, I mean, Suggs, I have three also. Scotty Barnes is a little bit behind. I have him eight, seventh. So uh, there's a big, there's a sizable gap between them. You just wouldn't straight up though with, with the assets to go get those two guys uh, versus. Right, up. right. So sorry, my bad. I, I did not answer that at all well. But the thing with Kaminga is the risk probably doesn't outweigh. I mean, for it's just, it's not worth the risk. When you can, you're probably just jumping Orlando at that point. As much high, as I am high on him, like it, he's not the guy you, you take a guy who has a realistic chance and isn't overcoming a, I mean, Kaminga is the guy who has the biggest possibility in the top five. You don't trade up for that. I don't think that's just too, way too risky. And then Suggs is just, I don't see the star power necessarily, but he is an incredibly high floor. So I don't know if either of those are worth trading up for in this draft. So I want to talk real quick about the entire draft and get into six and 16 and 18. You mentioned there about star power. There's one time in this process that we thought that five guys had star power. And now that the dust has settled and we've gotten kind of all of our valuations short of the combine, but a lot of these top guys do not participate in the combine. So like for the most part, what they're going to do in the public eye is pretty much done for the top guys. How many have star power and how many can be a franchise changing guy versus how many cannot be that kind of franchise changing guy? How many in this draft you grade out as, okay, you get this guy, you probably have a future star on your hands. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty much franchise changing is a tough one. There's probably four guys off the top of my head that fill that. And then there's a bunch of guys that you could say are all stars and they keep you afloat. Like there's the James book Knights of the world. There's the Kaminga slash green, depending on who you're higher on of the world. And then there's probably some guys that at the end of the first, I could see being in that category. They're just so risky that you wonder if they would actually fill that role. It's just a massive risk on if they could get there. So um, I personally, I I think the, the few guys in the back of the draft that could be it are JT Thor, Josh Christopher, maybe Josh Primo. He's an incredibly high upside guy. And then Zaire Williams. Um, So it's a draft where you could actually you know, in 2011, you look at some of the picks, like three of the best players are non-lottery picks. And um, Kawhi, technically Isaiah Thomas, been during his peak, and then Jimmy Butler. And that was the 15th, 30th, and 60th pick. So I, I think that you could really find something similar in that pattern this year where the best players are hidden. It's just they had so much risk and them teams were scared to take them. All right, so getting into pick six now. Let's just say the Thunder cannot find that deal with Cleveland uh, the way that Lockdown Cavs does not think that we can find a deal, which I think is ridiculous. But let's just say that they can't find a deal. Pick six, likely Scotty Barnes here. Is there any other name to consider, you know, here at six besides Scotty Barnes? Is there a Keon Johnson here, James Knight here? Like, what would you do at six years? It just straight away Scotty Barnes. I look. I love Scotty Barnes. At one point, I had him fifth on my board, but I do think it's James Book Knight. I'm I'm sold on him being that high floor, high ceiling guy where. You know, I've said it. I think he's a he. You could put him under, depending on how much you buy the shooting and creating. You could put him in the Bradley Beal, Zach Levine tier of players, and I think that has a lot of value. So that's my fifth ranked player. I think you technically get good board value on that. Um, he's someone who I would just swing for the fences on, and you don't really like. You probably get a double at the worst on him um, using a little, you know, locked on Royals crossover here. So. I, I think uh, I think he's the guy that I would take at six over 
Barnes personally, and I think he can fit with SGA. I'd be fascinated in that. And then we we did have our lottery live stream uh, on the, during the lottery, and we had Chad Ford on there, and he mentioned that he's heard that Scotty Barnes has leaped over Suggs and Kaminga on certain boards. Uh, and and uh, John Hollinger had the same thing in the athletic, I, I believe, on his big board, the latest one. Do you buy into that at all, that Scotty Barnes can be a riser and, and can and can allow uh, one of the guys, Suggs or Kaminga, to fall to six? Or, or do you think that that's kind of just kind of overhyped a bit? Like, what, what's your evaluation on that? Yeah, I loved Scotty Barnes earlier in the year. I kind of just – it wasn't really I cooled off on him. It's just I, I kind of just liked more guys as I kept watching and everything. But the way I've looked at it, because a lot of people say, well, he can't shoot. And obviously right now, after seeing what happened to Ben Simmons over the weekend, this is probably the worst time to be a non-shooting guard um, in the league. That's a big ball handler and defender. So probably not the best time to be for him. It really is unfortunate to him, but I think he's a harder worker. And a big difference between the two is I don't think Scotty Barnes's lack of a jump shot is a flaw. I think it's it's more of a bonus if it comes along. And if it doesn't, it just kind of, I don't know. It, it wears the ceiling a little bit, obviously, but I don't think it's like a minimizer to him. Like he can do so much. He has long strides, gets to the basket at ease, similar to the way Ben Simmons does, but he's also not as predictable, I don't think, in getting to the rim and creating. Like, you know what, if Ben Simmons is going to pass or shoot. And I think Scotty Barnes is a little bit different and just a higher IQ player. So I obviously they're not comparisons. I should say they're. I, I I've done this before when I said uh, <laughs> Evan Mobley and Kevin Durant. I'm not letting myself get trapped in this. But Dude, like you look at that mold. Take all over Twitter. No, you need to lean into that. People are all over Twitter now saying that that Evan Mobley is going to be Kevin Durant. You were the first on the scene. They listened to this podcast and then pirated your takes. Evan Mobley's Kevin Durant. It's official. <laughs> yeah, I I can't fall victim to another uh, out of context <laughs> twist up there. So, no, but I mean, like, they're not the same players. They're the similar mold, but they're not the same players. I should clarify. So I do find 6 and 18 very interesting for the Thunder because the question for me would be, would you rather have two swings or trade up? Because I think that 6 and 18, it can get you to 13 probably or 12 or 11. I think that that can probably get you there. Would you rather have the the one big swing at 11, for example, or have two swings at 16 and 18? Man, I, I think for the Thunder, it's quantity over quantity or quality, excuse me, quantity over quality. So um, I, I would go with the second one. So, so you just keep both of them? Yeah. You, you'd only package those if it was moving you up into the top five. You, you, you wouldn't go correct. From there to, to the teens, you know, to the early teens. No, I wouldn't. No, I, I think you just, you take the highest quality of quantity versus quality. I should have said, yes. Where, where are you at with 16? Because for me, I, I see a lot of talented guys in this range. Uh, but for example, Corey Kispert might fall there, but he's already 22 years old. And, and he's, a, you know, he, he doesn't really have that possibility for me to become a superstar. Whereas sure, Zaire Williams can bust out of this league in two years, but he can also be a very explosive type of impact player. Same with Moses Moody as well, kind of an unknown ceiling for him. I'd rather have the shot at the guy that could be something special and also could flame out versus a guy like even uh, Chris Duarte that could 
uh, be a really good contributor, but but never really above a role player for you. That's not really what the Thunder are in the market for at this specific moment is role players. I'd rather have that that huge swing, that, that Poku type swing of, hey, we're really dangerous. It's really dangerous here. They could either work out perfectly or we just struck out looking. Like where, where do you value six and 18 in that respect? Yeah, so six gives you a chance at the best of, you get the first pick of, you know, the question of, would you rather have one through five or the field? And you get the first pick in the field option. So, because I, I do think Jonathan Kaminga is going to be the fifth pick. So he is in that safely in that where if best case scenario for Oklahoma city, I think you get a chance at the worst top five guys. So that's, that's a really good spot to be in. And then at 16, like I said, there's just some guys that are later in the draft that have that really high hidden upside and JT Thor cannot be any more of a thunder guy. Um, he's one of the latest risers in the draft. I, I think you should, I love the guys at 16 that they have a chance to swing. And I don't think you should be going for Corey Kispert. You should be going for the Josh Christophers, the Zaire Williams, you know, Sharif Cooper works. Like there's so many options for upside Kai Jones. There's a lot of those guys where you got to take a swing for the fences on both. And you have the resources to do it. And sorry, then there's players available to do it. So you, you mentioned there, uh, Thor, and we have not gotten our email yet of the rosters for the, for the scrimmages tomorrow and Friday, but I'm sure that he'll participate in the scrimmages. Right. So like whenever you, you look at Thor, he's, he's had a phenomenal combine. It seems like he seems like there's a few clips on him of him on Twitter from, from the people that are there kind of impressed with him and, and his drill workout uh, yesterday. What do you see in him in terms of like, what's his quality traits, his strengths, his weaknesses, He'll be, he'll become a great player if he does this and a bad player if he does that. Hey, could you repeat? Sorry, sorry to throw this off. Who, who did you just say? It cut out for a second. JT Thor. JT Thor. Okay. So if JT Thor becomes a good player, like he's been labeled one of the better lateral movers in the draft. Um, he's got unicorn potential being able to hit step backs, you know, hit the three ball, defend really high level, versatile. And I, I really think he's just that mold of that hidden star in the front court. His worst case scenario that kind of lies in the fact that, hey, maybe he doesn't add strength. Maybe the jump shot doesn't translate because I don't think the percentages are too kind. And he kind of bloomed late in the season. He only shot 30% from three, uh, 74% from the line. So it's not entirely promising. And he kind of struggled in the pick and roll defensively, but in his left hand dominant. But again, that might just be youth. So it's hard to tell. I think he's one of those high ceiling guys with the great physical tools. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how uh, he does it. Would you consider him as a guy that it, assuming that he will, again, we don't have the rosters yet in our email box, but assuming that he will uh, play in these scrimmages, is he a guy that that's one of those uh, players that can really rise their stock with a good couple scrimmages here? Yes, absolutely. He's one of the guys where he hangs with, you know, I would say Isaiah Jackson, but he withdrew. He was a guy who would have been outstanding to be able to play against. The front court in this combine is really good. You'll get Roko for Kachin. He'll probably match up against if they're on different teams, watch them be on the same team. Cause I don't think I've seen the combine rosters, but you know, if he, if he goes out there and shoots three ball and defends, well, that's all he has to do. He's going to really take a rise being against some of the top prospects in the class. Now, you've been big on the Mavericks buying into the second round as a Mavericks fan in this year's draft class. And the Thunder have picked 34, 36, and also 55, but, but specifically 34 and 36. Um, for you, what are the odds that 
the Thunder in the second round can find a quality NBA player the way that they did with Dale Maldon? Like, what are the odds in this draft specifically that they're going to get that kind of value in the second round? Is this draft deep enough to get that kind of value? Yes, um, it's labeled. I think it's given a little bit more credit than it deserves. I think it's about 45 deep with some potential hidden gems at 46 through 60, but not very many. I think at the at the 30 to 40 range, so you're going to find a lot of rotation players from this. You've seen it in recent years. There's trends that say, you know, 30 to 40 is becoming a gold mine for rotation players that are just hiding in plain sight. Look at Jalen Brunson, Mitch Robinson. Um, I know there's a few others in the last two drafts too, but there's a lot of those guys. And, and just one example, I would have said Trey Murphy uh, a week ago, but it looks like he might've gotten a prom- first round promise because he's not participating in the combine. But you look at some of these guys, like you, I, I, off the top of my head, Aaron Henry, wing that can pass, defend, and is athletic. Someone like that has a very easy spot, high IQ in this league, and you're getting a rotation player. Nashawn Bones Highland, one of the coolest nicknames in the draft, great shot creator with insane range. And, you know, those guys, and that's a swing for the fences. There's so many guys who are so good, and this is assuming the draft goes in order that are going to be available there. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when someone who's the top 25 prospect slips into the second round because it's inevitable now. 34 or 36 is going to be a great chance to get incredible value on a rotation player. I'm excited to see what that, what that can become in the second round. I think that there's some value there because of how, and this might be getting greedy here because of how the second round might be viewed by the NBA circles. Could you, could you give 34, 36, you know, for a late first round pick, or would you think that it's not that valuable? I mean, there is a difference. Teams want to save money at that point. Yeah, it is a money saver. And if Oklahoma city is willing to spend, which can't imagine they're not, it's not like it's, you know, a, net, a backbreaker on their finances, but I think they might do it. It might just be a quality over quantity thing. I mean, how much roster space we've talked about this before, how much roster space can Oklahoma city afford to add in this draft? And if they want to slim it down 34 and 36 for like late twenties, like 26 pick or something, 28th pick, I could entirely see it. If they wanted someone like Josh Primo, one of those high upside combo guards, six, six shot creator and potential shooter. That would be a really great, player to swing on for example the draft is a month away and next week we get to talk all about the sixth pick i'm going to try to sell you on keon johnson we'll talk about strengths and weaknesses of scotty barnes keon johnson jalen johnson and other prospects that could be at six uh, 16 and 18 as well uh one one last question before we got here again the, the scrimmage will happen this afternoon uh, and tomorrow so if you're interested in that you can watch the uh, scrimmages on uh, television we'll have the rosters tweeted out uh, Richard and I will whenever we get them either this afternoon or tomorrow. Uh, so when watching the scrimmages without knowing the rosters yet, just knowing who kind of has and has not pulled out of the combine just yet, uh, who are some names we should be keeping an eye on uh, for, for the, these games? Yeah, I think James Book Knight has a lot to prove. He has a very clear chip on his shoulder. I think Jalen Johnson, if he's playing, in, I, I can't remember if he said he was or wasn't, but I'm, I haven't, can't think of any comments saying he wasn't Jalen Johnson's a guy who could really prove a lot play himself into that six pick spot um and then another for that 16th pick I'll give a couple guys Roko Prakacin from Croatia he's a combo forward played a little bit small ball five might be able to shoot uh but really high IQ good passer just overall pretty sound player and then one other player um 
I, I think Josh Christopher would be someone to put it. I've said his name multiple times. Just that he was a high school superstar. I think he got robbed at Arizona State of his whole situation. He's a guy who could really play himself up into that 16 range. And he's just a he got a defensive upside, shot creation, and three awful scoring, isolation ability. That's the kind of guy you might want at 16. I'd be fascinating also in watching uh, uh, Jordan Hall as well, as you mentioned. Uh, we'll have all the content you can imagine. Again, we're going to talk with Richard every single week about the NBA draft. And Richard, uh, you and I will also be in the combine interviews with these prospects. So go follow Richard on Twitter for those quotes at Mavs Draft. Me on Twitter for those quotes uh, at Ryland underscore Styles. Richard, it's always, always, always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Appreciate you having me. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow on the Locked on Thunder podcast.